Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, joined in the virtual so check by the indescribably handsome Jake Colhagen. On today's episode, we're going to be breaking down top 24 defensive backs for Dynasty. And we, uh, we have an interesting take on this. I think we have some players here that we've got ranked. Maybe a little bit of a hot take situation going on here. But Jake, before we actually jump into uh, number 24 here on this list, because we'll go in reverse order, because of course we will. Got excitement. Fence up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's give the listeners a really quick perspective here on what, like, what our thought process was going into this. Because this isn't just, you know, for the 2023 season. This is, you know, we're probably thinking more long-term, maybe. What was your thought process here going into this? So, right, so it's Dynasty, and a lot of times people, you know, Dynasty is all about youth and upside and things like that, or not all about that, but, you know, those things, those variables can tend to get overblown a little bit, in my opinion. Um, when we look at defensive backs, I think that that consideration should be even more minimized, right, because of the extreme variability that we see in IDP um, week to week, year to year. Um, uh, at the defensive back positions that, you know, really for me, I was looking at a, a more two to three, maybe even four year window, um, unless there truly was some locked in upside or, or nature for them to just hold down this role long term. Um, but otherwise, it, it, it's a smaller window that I'm looking in for these players um, saying, hey, let's get in and buy them now. And then, you know, let's look at what we got two to three years from now again, because I just think there's that much turnover and that much shifting. Um, in the landscape of IDP defensive backs. Yeah, I agree with you too. It's it's one of the most volatile positions in fantasy. So when I was looking at this, I was really thinking long-term. You know, it's it's hard to predict on a short-term who's going to be that guy, but I think it is a little bit easier to kind of know long-term who's got that talent and that youth that they will be productive for a long time. So I think you and I are in agreement here. We really weighted youth and long-term production heavily in these rankings. So when you get on Twitter to roast us for where we rank to these guys, just keep that in mind um, as we as we get into this episode. So uh, you were saying kind of earlier before we started recording, like 20 and beyond, it's kind of a wash at that point. You know, it's kind of give or take. Any of these guys could be, could be the guy. Uh, but we'll start at number 24 just because that's kind of our arbitrary cutoff. And, and talk about Andre Cisco of the Jacksonville Jaguars here first. Now he is there, one of their safeties. He plays alongside Rayshon Jenkins, but he currently is. Uh, let's see where that age is. He, he's twenty three point three years old. I believe he's going into his his third season. And uh, I have him ranked actually at nineteen. Jake, you have him here at twenty two, and Adam has him in his ranks at twenty six. And so what we did here is we we did our consensus ranks where we just kind of averaged out. Uh, the three of us, and we put him in that order there. So, Andre Cisco, man, what are your thoughts here on, on Cisco, and, and why do you have him at, at 22 specifically? Is there anything specific about kind of having him there in the middle of that tier, or is there not, you know, not too much hot takingness going on in this one? Not not too much. For me, he's kind of in that last tier of that that back-end defensive back-two type ranking for me. Um, he He got his first real chance to be a starter technically last year, um, year one with uh, Urban Meyer as head coach. Uh, uh, famously for me, at least, I always found this hilarious as, as a Cisco believer year in his rookie year that they asked him, oh, what did you think of Cisco's you know, performance here in you know, whatever week it was at the end of the season? And, and he was like, who is that? Like he, he literally didn't even know his own guy. Um, so I can see why year one was a wash for him. But year two, 
um, you know, Jenkins heavily played in the box um, and, and that sweet spot alignment. So we don't see a lot of that value there for Cisco. Um, he definitely showed he can be a playmaker. I think he had one defensive touchdown for sure, um, but really was, was a sure playmaker uh, and tackler out on the field overall, which for me just shows, hey, this guy has the ability to stay on the NFL field, get the snaps and be on a defense or a team that's relevant. So to me, very worthy of, of that, uh, like I said, that back end level two, tier two, excuse me, um, DB ranking. Yeah, and I think the reason I had him at 19 is just the youth. I expect him to be productive for a long time. I don't see him as a liability on the field like I do with, with some other players or even unproven players. So I, I think he'll be around for a while. Now, a player that's going to be a little bit more interesting to discuss is the next guy up on our rankings, number 23, Julian Love. Now, you and I are kind of in agreement here. I have him at 26. You have him at 28. Addy has him at 12, which is very interesting because I think you and I kind of agree here. He's in a bit of a confusing situation in Seattle with Jamal Adams there as well. Is he going to start? What's ha- you know what's going to happen when Jamal Adams comes back? It's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here. And he's 25.3 years old. He's he's into his second contract now. So what can we expect from Julian Love? Is Adam a little too high on him, or is there is there some reason why he's up that high? So for me, I, th- I think it's the ambiguity of it, and I, and I and I really appreciate Adam calling a shot on, on Julian Love. Love looked great um, in in his uh, stint last year when he got a, a real shot in Seattle, not Seattle, excuse me, New York, and he just proved that he can be you know a playmaker inside that sweet spot for us, the box, the defensive lineman, defensive line, and uh, in in the slot role. But I there's there to me there's just too much ambiguity, and I lean away from love being the one to step up and all of a sudden play down in the box heavily like Jamal Adams did and like he does. And I don't see them saying, well, we should try Jamal Adams deep because that's, that is not his forte. It never has been. And I don't think it ever will be. Um, so with that said, you know, one thing that could happen, I mean, we always talk, we've talked about Jordan Brooks a lot this off season. Maybe he's truly not ready. And they just say, Hey, if Adams is ready, maybe he really just is our LB two. We know we're running out, we're running out more of a dime personnel but Adams is just essentially that second linebacker. And then that still allows Love to play that that kind of box safety role at times and, and roll down in there with Adams and Wagner inside there and still be a strong, you know, uh, safety asset and potentially justifying that higher value. I, it's just I'm too uncertain and too on. I lack no I lack the confidence to say that Adams is somehow going to get bumped out of there. So to me, it feels more like insurance and possibly maybe more of a tell that Brooks isn't ready. Um, to come back and uh, that's how the defense ends up aligning more yeah and I think what's interesting with Julian Love is his market price is not going to reflect this ranking so you know 12 overall or you know 22 either way I think you know he's he's got upside he's obviously a risky play but so many DBs are and you don't really have to pay a massive price tag to acquire him so he could be a good guy to, to keep on your bench and if he does start, make no mistake, he's going to score plenty of points. And another guy that I believe will score plenty of points, shocker, I know we're talking about the top 24 dynasty DBs. It's the uh, the nickel cornerback for the Chicago Bears, Kyler Gordon. Now, he's going into his second year now. Uh, he's 23.5 years old, and uh, I have him at 21. Jake, you have him at 20. Addy has him at 22. We're all pretty much in agreement here. He's not an elite guy. 
but he's a very safe, very consistent asset. And that's pretty much what you can expect from a lot of nickel cornerbacks. Think Kenny Moore of old, where he's going to be on the field for a lot of the time. He's going to be playing in the slot mostly, and he's going to be a consistent producer. What, aside from that, makes Kyler Gordon special, if anything, Jake? What are you thinking here? So I think you linked it perfectly. You talked about Kenny Moore. Um, the defensive coordinator at the time when Kenny Moore really hit his rise in IDP was Matt Eberflus, now head coach of the Chicago Bears, where Kyler Gordon is. Um, so I really think that there's a connection there. Um, you know, they spent a high draft pick on this guy, or I think it was early second round. You know, this is this is what they they want to do. They want to revamp that secondary. You know, a guy we'll be talking about a little later, hashtag spoiler alert, uh, and Jaquan Brisker and him, you know, they've kind of re- revitalized the secondary. Um, my biggest concern is that at times Kyler Gordon got a little lost in coverage out there, and that's the part that gives me some pause that, hey, maybe he, you know, they find a, a niche for him and it's not one that's IDP really relevant um, just because he's a liability in other situations. But they seem to really find a spot for him in the slot at the end of the season, in the back half of it, coaching staff saying the same. I just I think that's a tell what they're going to be doing this year. You know, they didn't do anything in the draft or free agency to lead us otherwise. So just more of that. The really big thing I want to see is, does he start to get the pass rush upside um, that we saw from Kenny Moore at times? Um, you know, the last five or six weeks of the season, we saw three games where he had five-plus pass rush attempts. Uh, didn't generate any pressures, but if the opportunities can be there and he continue to grow out of year one with that and inside that defense, the upside is definitely there. But until then, definitely kind of uh, sit on the fence a little bit here at 20. I could, I could see him going higher, but I, I like him here for now. Yeah. Now, moving on to our next guy here at 21, this is where I might have to defend myself because we're talking about the rookie corner, Brian Branch. Now, he's 21.7 years old. Adam is the highest on him, having him at 14. Jake, you've got him as 18, and I have him all the way down at 27. Now, why do I have him down at 27? Now, part of the reason why is because maybe I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) That's probably not the case, though, right? I have him down at 27 just because he's an unknown, and year one, it's going to be really tricky. And I think part of the reason why Dynasty ranks are what they are is because in some instance, they, they need to reflect the market. And I think that the market is going to probably be pretty low on Brian Branch this upcoming season because I don't know if he's going to get on the field. He could, and I believe he's very talented, but I believe that you know he's got a lot of competition. They've got two safeties there in Detroit. They've got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They just brought in a slot corner and some outside corners. It's going to be tough for him to make it onto the field. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe he could. But Kyler Gordon, for example, the guy we just talked about, was a lock to start week one and play 100% of snaps because they had nobody there. Brian Branch is not in that same situation. He's going to have to really, really fight to get on the field. And he might not start off as a full-time player. Ultimately, will he get there? Probably. I think he's talented enough. But you could always trade for him before that happens. So, Jake, why am I too low on Brian Branch? I don't think you are at all. I think I'm just buying into my own speculation here a bit, right? So uh, everyone loves a bit of their own brand, and I I think Branch comes in. I think he outperforms uh, others for that slot role. I mean, you look, that's basically he played 90-plus percent of his snaps the final year at Alabama there in the slot. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think, is he showed he can be super valuable and capable playing more of that deep safety role at times too, 
And I think that's what we're going to see from this Lions defense. They never really had anyone who was a true box safety that consistently rolled down inside there and played like that. So so really the spot I'm looking for is who's going to be playing more in that slot alignment. And I think that's, I think that's Brian Branch this year. Um, you're right. It, it could not be week one. It might not be until the bye week, right? And so if those are the things, you know, the maybe, like you said, for yourself, you're, you're not buying into that. You think there's a, a slow start. You let the slow start happen. You come in and buy low. And now you get a guy who's got the upside because I think it's ta- there talent-wise. It's just, to your point, where will the utilization align up for him this year in year one? Yeah, and I think that's the key there because when I compare him to some of the other slot cornerbacks that we have ranked, you know, we think Trent McDuffie, Kenny Moore, Nate Hobbs, uh, Legereus Need, right? A lot of other guys here that are going to or already do play a similar role to what we expect Branch to play, but they already have that role locked up. And so it's kind of like, where do I find the balance in between youth and immediate production? And I think that's kind of where the subjectivity of Dynasty ranks just comes in, and that's okay. And so I think that's it's nice that we kind of average it out here. So we still get a chance to talk about him, and then you as a manager, a listener, can make a decision for yourself. Do you value long-term? Are you a rebuilding team? Or do you need immediate production? Now, speaking of immediate production, our next guy, Grant Delpit, here is at number 20. Now, Grant Delpit's 24.8 years old, so he's by no means an old fart. He's still on his rookie contract playing for the Cleveland Browns, but this upcoming season could very well be his best yet. And Jake, I think you and I kind of are seeing eye to eye on this with our rankings. While Adam has him at 25, you have him at 17, and I have him at 16. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if we're in lockstep on this one. We expect him to, to play a very valuable role and probably score a lot of points. Is that the case? What do you think? I think so. And uh, a large part of it for me is I do believe that the next two years will be very valuable for him. Uh, I I want to see him stay on the Browns to maintain that IDP value, especially because I don't really believe they did a whole lot to make their linebacking room better. And Delpit is someone who plays uh, primarily closer to the line. I believe, yeah, uh, almost 40% pure box snap percentage, right? So not just even sweet spot, but 40% of all of his snaps, two out of every five times he was on the field, he was up playing like a linebacker. Um, And that's just super valuable. And and unless they spend high draft capital or make a big move in free agency, all signs point to him being the guy for that, assuming, you know, they re-sign him off of his rookie contract here in in the final year of it. But that's, you know, that's the game you play in Dynasty. And I think that's where it aligns, at least, again, based on what we've seen this team do so far in this offseason. And I think a little bit of the game theory in here is understanding players' contract situations. Because if you are a manager and you realize that Grant Delpit is going into a contract year, you can think about what the the likelihoods are are of him changing teams or sticking around and, and maybe use that as a buy or a sell window. Maybe you think that there's not a very good chance that if he does go to a new team, he gets as good of a role. And so maybe you can decide to sell him after the season. But maybe if you believe that he's going to stick around and there is a manager that's rostering him that doesn't think that's going to happen, then maybe you can buy him from that manager. Now, I am by no means advocating spending up for a DB, but that's just kind of in theory how you might apply that logic. Now, we are now kind of venturing into some of the more exciting names, but also maybe some more ambiguous situations. Maybe ambiguous isn't even the right word, just a little bit more unproven. 
as we look at former first-round safety Daxton Hill of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, he was taken in the first round last year and only played one game. Now, that game was filling in for the injured slot cornerback Mike Hilton, but make no mistake, Dax Hill is going to be a safety for the Cleveland, sorry, not the Cleveland Browns, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Same state, right? Who cares? We're close enough. I got what's in the state. That's all that matters. Now, Dax Hill is 22.7 years old, and you and I have the exact same rank for him at number 17 overall. Adam has him at 24, so still a top 24 safety, but I'm going to guess the reason why you and I are so excited about him is, number one, obviously, because he's going to get his first season starting in the NFL, so he's very young, and the 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 Cincinnati safety situation, the way that they use those players, very, very exciting. So what say you as far as the rankings here? What do, what do you think? So, I mean, obviously, age is a big thing. Draft capital is another big thing. I mean, it was the 32nd or 31st pick overall, whatever it was. Um, but, you know, they, they clearly valued him, right? And they and they seemingly had a plan for him as they let both Bell and Bates walk this year. Guys who had been, you know, mainstays on the back end of that defense for years. Uh, with that said as well, uh, in his time at Michigan, we saw him play a significant amount of time in that slot role. And I think what I like, about that most is that it, in my mind, it leads to comfort for defensive coordinators to bring those safeties more regularly closer to the line of scrimmage in a box capacity or wherever else. So that when things happen, especially nowadays, the NFL seems so predicated on, you know, it's all about getting just different packages on the field of guys and then finding ways to make mismatches. Right. So when you have someone like Dax Hill who can go down and you got him in the box and now, you know, someone moves, one of those tight ends moves in motion and now Dax Hill moves from the box and he's aligned in the slot. Well, you're okay, right? And defensive coordinators love having that level of comfort and versatility with their defense out there that I think that that's what's going to help pull him closer to the line of scrimmage more in play this year. Um, whereas, you know, you'll see other safeties, I think like Nick Scott and um, I'm blanking on the other safety that they got there now. But, you know, those are the guys who will probably see more of their time maybe away from the line of scrimmage then. Uh, just because they don't maybe have the same level of versatility or confidence from the coaching staff. Yeah, quick shout to Jordan Battle, the free safety that they drafted this year. Now, he's probably going to play farther away from the line of scrimmage more often. But hey, talk about another exciting young safety. Let's go ahead and move on to perhaps one of the most exciting young safeties in the league right now, Javon Holland of the Miami Dolphins. Now, he's played all over the field at different points of his short so far NFL career, but he's still only 23.3 years old. Now, I have him at 14, Adam has him at 19, but Jake, you have him at 25. I need you to defend yourself here. So why do you have him so low, Jake? Um, I think that people get, and I maybe a bit, I think it might have been John Macri that talked about this too, but it was one of those things, just combing the PFF sheets at times, right? Where... You know, the one game against Baltimore where, like, they're just, like, zero blitz every single time, and he had, I don't know, whatever it was, like, something like 50 defensive line, you know, alignments, uh, snaps, and however many pass rush opportunities. And I think that analytically sometimes people look at that and they see too much or, you know, people use that to roll up numbers that are, you know, high level but are a bit inflated because of that single game or, or, you know, um, an outlier like that. So I just... I have pause, right? I have him at 25. I definitely think he's, like I said, he's in that back, that final tier for me. So I could see him as high as, you know, defensive back 20. For me, I just, I like what I've seen out of him. I just, 
haven't seen enough strong util or consistent utilization um, in those sweet spots or, you know, the the big playmaking ability on the NFL field that brings me to be like, okay, I got to I gotta over-invest in this guy, right? You know, I, I'm going to go actually make a trade for him um, versus, you know, oh, if he's there at market cost, you know, sure, I'm, I'm interested in him. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable take too, right? It's It's focused on the utilization, where he's playing, and what he's doing when he's on the field as far as big play upside goes. And that's reasonable. I think that's very fair because ultimately we play the game of fantasy football. We need to score points and that's how you score points. So perhaps maybe I'm overrating the youth in the skill because ultimately you still need to score points for fantasy. So maybe that's why I have him as high as 14. But I do believe we can hopefully at least agree that he should be a player that maintains a starting role for a long period of time in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. And I think what's also interesting here talking about Miami is their their safety situation because you have Brandon Jones, you have Deshaun Elliott, regardless of who starts, I think the expectation is if there is a strong safety role in that defense, it probably goes to whoever starts between the two of those guys. Would you agree? 100% agree, right. And so that that's, like I said, that's that utilization where it if you if you take some of the, that outlier game out of there, and I think there's even another one I can't remember off the top of my head, but if you take those both out and look at the rest of his career, like that's just not what we see from Javon Holland consistently. And so... I know the coaching staff changed over again on the defensive side, right? So um, I just, I, I, I'm i not buying into it just yet. I'm, that's one that I'll, I'll stay away from the uncertainty. Yeah, that's perfectly reasonable. Now, if you are somebody who cares more about utilization and production and less about just youth and longevity, this next guy's for you because at number 17, we're talking about Kyle Duggar of the New England Patriots. One of the oldest guys on the list remaining. There is one player remaining that we'll talk about that's just a little bit older than him, but Kyle Duggar is 27.3 years old. Now, Adam has him at 18. Jake, you have him at 12, and I have him all the way down at 28. Why do I have him at 28? Well, it's because I hate the Patriots. <laughs> Why? But actually, it's it's because he's really, really old, and I believe they just drafted his replacement in Marte Mapu. So... That's one of the reasons why I'm so low on him. I don't necessarily believe that he's going to maintain as productive of a role as he has had in the past. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. If I am, is this 28 rank too low? Probably. But if I'm right, I will absolutely victory lap this. So, Jake, why am I wrong? Well, first you're wrong because you're wrong. Uh, but the, the more importantly, uh, it, they, again, they didn't. yes, they have Marte Mapu there. And he profiles very similar, right? But they also brought in Jabril, Pre- Jabril Peppers last year. They brought in Adrian Phillips, you know, and they I didn't bring Adrian Phillips in, but they had him there, right? And so they have all these guys. It's just who they like to have on their roster, I think. But who is the guy that's constantly going out there and constantly doing it? And that's Kyle Duggar. Um, the best pure box percentage rate out of safeties at all. So 55%, almost 56% of his snaps that he goes out on the field he is playing as a linebacker, and that's pretty pretty common for them, uh, for the Patriots as a whole. They generally, I think they run the most dime-heavy personnel last year and have for the last several years, and, and as such, they really just use their safeties as second linebackers. Now, the biggest concern is, is he going to be there next year having that role? If he goes somewhere else, will he have that role? He is old. There's plenty of reasons for you to not buy into Kyle Duggar, um, but like I said, 
for me, it that utilization is too sweet to pass up. I it's it's delivered, I think, in plenty of ways for him. And then on top of that, um, his sweet spot utilization overall is eighty-two percent. So you're talking almost just over eight out of every ten or four out of every five snaps, he's lining up so close to the ball, which for defensive backs, that's where we find almost all of our value, or at least consistently find better value overall. Um my my belief though is that Duggar is one of the the mainstays of this defense. I think the they find a way to bring him back. Now this is this is speculation, you know. So this is this is the game we love. We're the game within the game, trying to figure those things out, like you said. Uh, and I'm all in. I think Duggar's a Patriot for the next three to four years, um, and and he's a, and he's part of the heart of that middle of that defense. So yeah, and, and to add some context to that, yes, this is dynasty rankings, but. Even if you're more focused on the short-term window, I mean, he is going to be productive, at least in the short term. He's being drafted in best ball right now as the safety 10, as the defensive back 12. So he definitely has elite upside. And if you are looking to contend in Dynasty, he's absolutely the kind of a safety that you want on your team to start every single week. Now, on this top 24 DB list, Five of the defensive backs that we will be talking about, some of which we've already included, were rookies last year. Obviously, youth is very, very important. And the next player we're talking about is the number one rookie DB in the class, according to most of our ranks. Now, that player is coming in at 16 overall in the Dynasty DB ranks, and that is Sidney Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Canadian legend. Now, I thought I was high on Sidney Brown because I've been taking him in almost every single best ball draft so far. Adam has him at 23. I've got him all the way up at 18. But Jake Colhagen, you, sir, have him all the way up at 10, making me want to push him up the ranks even higher. I love this. I honestly don't even disagree with you because I'm all in on Sidney Brown. Um, let's just take a moment here to just sing his praises, even though he hasn't played a single snap of NFL football yet. Let's uh, let's completely lose ourselves to the hype and let's get lost in the sauce, man. What are you thinking here? Uh, so for me, when looking at the rookie tape this uh, this last offseason, or I guess we're still in the offseason, the onseason, wherever we are at now, but when I was looking at this guy, I just I did not see a guy that I felt played better downhill. And now when you talk about a team that's so set up defensively to continually generate pressure with just their front four, um, maybe they, I, I believe they've lost a little bit in that second level. Like, I don't think N'Kobe Dean's bad and, and Nick Morrow is, is, a, is a good stalwart in terms of, you know, filling in in the middle of the defense. But there, it's TJ Edwards and Kaiser White are both very efficient tacklers that absorbed a lot in the middle of that field. I think that there's going to be something to be gained there. I think that that's going to, you're going to see some regression at the second level of that defense in terms of IDP and someone who played so strong downhill like that. I, I believe that that's going to be where he he makes his hay. And then you look at the fact that uh, Gannon has moved on and they brought in Sean Desai from Seattle. You saw what Seattle did with someone like Ryan Neal when, hey, you know, we didn't necessarily have the greatest linebacker play. I mean, you had uh, Jordan Brooks and you had um, Cody Barton, but, you know, I maybe not too far off from what we see in Nicobe Dean and Nick Morrow. And what do we what do we see him do? We saw him turn Ryan Neal into an IDP dream. Um, in the back half of that year. And I think he's got just as much talent, if not more talent, um, in Sidney Brown available there. I, I'm buying into it now because I think after year one, because he's he's going to be a year one player, I think he's going to have a strong year this year. 
the price is going to go up. So I'm willing to pay for it now before he's even shown us anything. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly here. Now, as I look at the remaining 15 defensive backs that we have yet to talk about, I'm counting at least nine guys that have two or fewer years remaining on their current contract, many of who have, many of whom, I don't know, many of them have <laughs> have have one or fewer years remaining on their contract, which is going to be really, really interesting because it's going to be a really volatile list. And this list is absolutely subject to change as these players' contracts expire and they end up needing to either land on a new team or stay in the same spot. Now, Sidney Brown, that's not going to apply to him for at least four years. So that's automatically something that's really, really a tick in his favor because he's not going to be subject to a new contract and a new team anytime soon. Now, the next guy we're talking about is an extremely talented young safety. Shocker, I know. We're talking about the top 24 defensive backs in football, but it's Xavier McKinney of the New York Giants. Now, he's 24.9 years old. You and I are in agreement, and we have him at 15. Adam has him at 20. I think you and I can probably agree that the reason we have him ranked where we have him ranked is because he's really, really talented, he's versatile, he's young, and we expect him to be relevant regardless of where he goes, even though his contract is coming up soon. What uh, what, what are you thinking here? And I would also be curious to see how we expect his utilization to change now that the Giants have lost Julian Love and haven't really made much of an effort to replace him. Yeah, and that's and with that said, they they had McKinney playing some of those uh, you know sweet spot type roles more um, at the start of the year. Um, unfortunately, he did suffer some injuries. Uh, I know one of them I think was even <laughs> during a bye week of uh, uh, an ATV accident. But you know, all that said, they gave this guy the green dot last year. I mean, yes, there was a lack of. Uh, veteran presence and skill in that linebacking core, but they could have given it to someone else too. This guy still, you know, early on on his rookie contract, found a way to gain the trust of the defense. And this was, you know, Wink Martindale, who is someone who's known for having more exotic looks in his defense. So it's something where this isn't just, you know, some sort of plug and play, you know, lighter type style defense where, okay, he can pick it up, you know, it's a young guy, whatever. No, they trusted him, and there's a reason. He's, he's got it between the ears. He's got it, you know, uh, in talent on the field, and I think that we're going to continue to see his sweet spot utilization go up um, back to where it was at the start of the year because just like you you said perfectly, they haven't done anything to show us that they're not going back to this. Um, they have the same the same uh, staff there or team, a, ro- a roster makeup essentially. Um, you know, they got Bobby Okereke, which is a great addition, but that still leaves a lot of the field to be covered by by anyone else, and I think McKinney's the one who steps up to do that. Yeah, and and they brought in another Bobby, uh, Bobby McCain, but I don't really see him as being the kind of a player that's going to play that Julian Love role. He's more of kind of like a slot, nickel, hybrid, safety kind of player. Uh, they have like, I'm trying to remember who else they even have there. They have like a Nick McLeod, I think. Like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll have to check this this uh, these rankings in a little bit, but like. I don't really know who else is going to be able to play that box safety role. Maybe maybe they they had another guy. I really got to pull this up right now because this is important. So I'm just going to go into our best ball sheet real quick and, and sort by yeah, team. Well they, but... they drafted Cordell F- uh, Flot, Float last year, and he he could potentially be you know inside the 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 nickel or slot role. You know they had Dane Belton and Jason yeah. Knock who who stepped in last year with injuries, but 
to me, those, those are more depth pieces than anything else. So I think you see McCain kind of rotating in and out of that slot, depending on how flat's playing and flat in the slot. So You are a comedic genius, Jake. That's why you're so handsome. <laughs> I, I think I agree with you, actually, as far as, uh, as Dane Belton. He's kind of the guy that was playing like 30%. He was like their third safety that was rotating in. Now, he was playing in the box a lot, so... Maybe he's the guy that replaces Julian Love. But either way, Xavier McKinney is going to be exciting this season. And he has a lot of upside. Now, moving on to DB14 here on this list is a guy who is landing in a new spot. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how this new spot, you know, how the, how do they utilize him here? Because I, I think it's going to be kind of interesting just in general. I mean, there's a reason I have, I was going to say there's a reason I have him linked as, as lowly as I do. But I actually am the highest of the three of us. So uh, it's Jesse Bates. Now he just landed with the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, or was that the Carolina Panthers? Now I'm getting Jesse Bates and Bond oh, mixed you, up. You got it. You got it. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Hosting abilities. Good job. I should have <laughs> down the team. But uh, but I have him at 12, which might actually be too high. Uh, Adam has him at 15. Jake, you have him at 21. I'm I'm starting to cool on him now. Actually, as I think about it a little bit more, because I don't really know how he's going to be used in Atlanta. Last season they had. Uh, they had they had two safeties that they kind of used in a too high look a lot of the time. So will they have Jesse Bates remain as a deep safety? Is he going to be used more in the box? Jake, what do you think here? Why do you have him all the way down at 21? You seem to be pretty cool on him. Yeah. So, I mean, again, spoiler alert here, foreshadowing, uh, the other safety there I have a lot of love for, and that's kind of the, the reasoning that I have uh, for Jesse Bates being as low as I do. Uh, but like you said, they do they do primarily look at that too high type look, um, and they split between that. Now, was that a product of the the scheme? Was that a product of the talent that they had in front of them? Uh, you know, so I, I look at someone like Jesse Bates, who who has consistently on an NFV, on NFL field thrived more in that deep role, right, or that free safety look uh, that people traditionally label it. And so, I just I think that that's something where we continue to see him utilized like that. Um, Richie Grant is someone that I have profiled and seen and believe a ton in his ability to play inside the box as well. So given given those things, I just think that Bates is more likely to be relegated to that role, or maybe not necessarily, I shouldn't say relegated, but but cast or highlighted in that deep role because that's where he's succeeded. Now, if they were to split it, I could totally see Bates um, succeeding as high as DB12 because he's been a consistent tackler um, his entire NFL career. And even in those primary deep roles, he's found ways to deliver, you know, near hundred and I believe over hundred tackle seasons. So I don't think you're too far off in this. I just, I got too much love for my boy, Richie Grant, uh, to believe that Bates, um, succeeds that highly. Now I will say Jesse Bates signed a four-year deal. Richie Grant has two years remaining on his rookie deal. Listeners, I want you to guess what the age gap difference is here between Jesse Bates and Richie Grant. Time's up. The age gap is 1.1 years. <laughs> Crazy. Jesse Bates is 26.7 years old. Richie Grant is 25.6 years old. So that is uh, going to be really interesting to see how that pans out as far as what the team intends to use these guys for. And we did kind of talk about Richie Grant a bit already, who is the next guy up on our list at DB13. The last of the DB2s, if you will. Now, I already mentioned his age, uh, but... I am I'm kind of the opposite on this guy. Obviously, Adam here is in the middle, right? He's got Richie Grant at 13 and Jesse Bates at 15. 
Um, but I kind of flip-flopped. I'm really high on Jesse Bates, but I'm pretty low on Richie Grant because I have him at 20, whereas you have him at eight. So we have kind of flip-flopped him here. We've just kind of kind of picked between the two guys which player we value more. And I kind of see Jesse Bates as a talented and uh, just just a player that's going to last in the league for a long time. There was a period of time where he was believed to be the best safety in the league a couple years back. And while the, the position itself is extremely volatile, I don't think we're that far off from just believing that he is an incredibly talented player now. He's no Minka Fitzpatrick, but he is still very, very good. And I think he's going to last for a long time. Whereas Richie Grant, like no hate to the guy, but I don't necessarily think he's at the same caliber as a Jesse Bates. So will we see him be a valuable IDP asset in three years? I don't know. And that's why I have him as low as I do. But you have him all the way up at eight. Now, you already kind of shared a bit of your thought process already. But aside from what you've shared already, why do you have him so high? So I'm fully speculating that 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 box roll is going to become his, right? So he was um, all the way down. Not terrible, but you know, for for someone as high as as I got him ranked, you know, only 25% of his snaps inside the box last year, 52% inside the sweet spot. You know, to be this high, you got to have some some real big cachet, you know, big playmaking ability, or you need to have excellent utilization. And I'm speculating more of the latter. I think that. Uh, Bates is going to, they're going to go kind of where they're going to highlight again, Bates in that deep single high look or, or find ways to pull Grant down into those sweet spots. You know, year one, they used them heavily um, as a slot type of role uh, just to find a way to get him on the field. You know, last year he, again, was kind of splitting that role, but still found a way to be very relevant with it. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm speculating again, like I said, that, that those numbers go up. The big question is, is can he deliver that next level or that next tier to say, can he start to make some more big plays, right? Can he get more pass breakups? Can he be better in coverage? Can find ways to make himself more consistent on the NFL field? Because you're right. If we had to put a prop bet down right now for three years, there's three years from now, who's going to have the better IDP season? I think, you know, hands down, it's Bates, right? He's the much safer bet. But like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the numbers on this one and where, where I think they're trending towards. And Colin Machat and Richie Grant. I love it. And I respect that. I think that's good context here for the listeners. Because at the end of the day, where we rank them is not as important as why we have them ranked where we have them ranked. Now, we are moving into the top 12 Dynasty DBs. But this player right here is the number one cornerback in best ball ranks. And I'm looking at the other guys we have on this list. I believe he's just the number one cornerback in Dynasty altogether. Now, it's Legereus Need of the Kansas City Chiefs. Adam has him at six. I have him at nine. That's pretty nice. But Jake, you have him at 24. And I think I know why. I believe this is a Trent McDuffie take. So why don't you go ahead and elaborate a little bit further on why you believe Trent McDuffie is the corner to have in Kansas City and why Legereus Need might be running out of time as a valuable dynasty DB. So yeah, this is something I've been in uh, all off season, right? Talking about this since since some of our first episodes in February. But when you look back at last season, uh, Legereus Sneed absolutely lit the IDP world on fire weeks one through week fourteen. I mean, the guy was he was a cheat code, right? I mean, dropping twenty plus points a game. I don't know how many times um, for a, for a cornerback, right? And so if you're in cornerback required leagues, I mean the 
the value only raises exponentially. But even just as a straight defensive back, this guy was ridiculous last year. Um, he spent about 85% of his time in the slot at that point. Uh, those first 14 weeks, he had just crazy pass rush upside opportunities um, for a cornerback. Um, he, he capitalized and, and, and did something with it too, which, you know, not trying to downplay that at all. However, weeks 15 through the Super Bowl, some might say some of the most important weeks of the season, uh, we saw one Trent McDuffie uh, controlling and patrolling that slot alignment. Um, outside of one week in the playoffs, I want to say the divisional round, um, which uh, Sneed took over again in the slot role, but in the conference championship, in the Super Bowl wild card, in those fifth weeks 15 through 18, that was Trent McDuffie. Um, so I'm, I'm calling my shot. To basically say right now that you know, and, and so far this offseason, that McDuffie's the guy who's going to be you know leading that slot usage, and we got the same defensive uh, uh, staff and likely scheme rolling back from Steve Spagnola, and as such, it, it's going to be a valuable role. Now the question is, is who's going to own it? And I think it's I think it's McDuffie's to own at this time. I don't know that that's you know they like Snead on the outside better. You know they McDuffie was maybe not as good on the outside as they had hoped. So they want to, you know, just kind of cover up maybe some of their inefficiencies by having Snead back out there. But the fact that they did it during their Super Bowl run leaves me to believe that they're comfortable running their defense back this way. And that's exactly how it's set up to go again, coming into week one this year right now. So calling my shot to say McDuffie's the, the, the number one cornerback to have for IDP out of that defense there. Um, and potentially, if he if he capitalizes like uh, Snead did this last season, he might be he might be the new number one. Hey, it's call your shot season, and it is worth noting, right? You have Trent McDuffie ranked at fourteen. He averaged out to become the number twenty eight dynasty DB. So we definitely agree he has some value, but maybe perhaps you're a little higher than the market is on Trent McDuffie. But hey, that's how you win fantasy leagues: is having a bold take that's different from the market following through with your convictions and profiting. So I think it's important that listeners understand the risk associated with Legereus Need, but make no mistake, he is a very talented player. Regardless of what utilization we can expect from him, he should be productive. It's just the upside that comes with that slot role is very important. And so it's important to note that. Now, yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Go for it. I, I, well, yeah, sorry, I was going to add one thing, right? So early reports out of camp from, from Spagnola too has been kind of that coach speak where well, we like both guys in this role, right? So we could see both of them playing it. So there's really not, no tipping of the hand at this point, or maybe it truly is a 50-50 split, but I tend to err on the side of coach speak doesn't actually give us anything valuable. Um, it more just masks maybe what we're really trying to figure out. And so, again, in that ambiguity, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning McDuffie. Hey, that coach speak is working, that's for sure. Let's go ahead and move on to the number 11 overall Dynasty DB, perhaps the greatest trash talker in all of the league, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, also known as C.D. Deuce, also known as C.J.G.J. He is 25.5 years old. Adam and I are pretty similar in how we have him ranked. He has him at 9, I have him at 8, but Jake, you have him down at 19. Now, is this a take as far as he's on a one-year deal and we don't really know what to expect from him going after this year? Or do you think he's just kind of overrated? Did he say something to you? Did he say something about your mom? Did he say uh, something really, really, really rude to you that made you want to rank him this low? Or do you just do you just have your doubts? What's going on here? 
Uh, so for me, it has a lot to do about uncertainty. It's the uncertainty of, you know, we talked about how I believe Brian Branch is going to be the guy manning that slot alignment heavily. So if it's not, if it is Brian Branch, it means Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's probably not playing that. Uh, when you look at the defensive alignment for the Lions last year, they very rarely pulled someone down into the box from those deep safety roles. Uh, they they kind of sat in that cover, cover too high or cover too shell, and that's just not something that they came out of a lot for there. So if he's to be back there, I'm a little uncertain that he can deliver the same value I'd love to see week to week. And then to the point of I'm uncertain if he's going to be back in Detroit next year or if he's going to be somewhere else. He's going to be on an NFL field, and he's going to be starting for an NFL team. So, you know, no value lost there. You know, if anything, you know, saying some of these things all out, I could see it, the, my value going up for him um, a bit in my own rankings. But I just it's the uncertainty for me that just doesn't have me as excited about that. He's going to have some some great weeks. He's going to have some week winning type stuff where he's going to have, you know, a big interception, uh, maybe you know, a couple of forced fumbles, or he's going to just go crazy and, and play downfield and, and downhill and make a bunch of tackles all of a sudden and have a really strong game that way. I just he can do a lot all over the field on an NFL field. I just it's the uncertainty that's got me looking to maybe sell here or pass on him at current value. Yeah, that that's a reasonable take, and and I think you and I are very similar in that we are data and analytically driven people. But honestly, man, I'm going with the subjective, the subjective take here. Just man, he's got a nose for the ball. He's going to be on the field. A, a player with that caliber of talent, coupled with that ambition for the game and that attitude, is not going to sit on the bench every single year he has been in the NFL. His first uh, three to four seasons with the Saints and then with the Eagles, now with the Lions. There is no way that man is sitting on the bench. He's going to be on the field, and whenever he's been on the field, he has been an electric playmaker, whether that's getting you know, getting wide receivers cut from their teams or just making interceptions in big plays. This dude always gets work in the valuable part of the field. With the Saints, they put him in the slot. With the Eagles, they put him at strong safety. Like No matter what team he's on, and I understand the uncertainty, I really do, but I just have a hard time believing that he's going to be on an NFL field and not be used in a productive manner. So that's why I'm just not as concerned about the fact that he only has one year on this contract. He's still only 25 and a half. He's going into, I believe, his sixth NFL season. Maybe it's even his fifth NFL season now that I really think about it. But the dude is good. He was leading the league in interceptions, I believe, for a period of time last season before he got injured. This dude is going to score points. He's a big play machine. That's not analytical. That's just a gut feeling, and I'm totally okay with saying that. But let's go ahead and move on to another guy. You and I and Adam are very, wow, very different on Cameron Curl here. I'm going to give you the spotlight here because Adam has him at 17. I have him at 13, but you, sir, have him all the way up at number three overall. So spotlight's on you, Jake. Make your case for the Washington Commander's safety, Cameron Curl. All right. So it's it's a bit speculative. It's a bit subjective. It's a bit analytical, right? It's it's this nice little perfect storm for me. Um, my my baseline, right, one of my favorite things is, is he's got one of the best box, pure box percentages, second best um, at 50.62. So one out of every two snaps, he's up there playing as a linebacker. Um, I really believe that this defense as a whole, which is, continuing and carrying over with Jack Del Rio and, and Ron Rivera. Um, they know how they want to use them, and, they, and they've and they got the players now set in the positions that they're looking for, right? They, 
they went out and, and uh, secured outside corner. You know, they invested draft capital there. They looked at their inside corner, the slot corner. They drafted likely for there. Um, you know, there was talks they were going to trade some of that front four. They've kept that intact up, up to this point. They have one of the strongest, arguably, you know, maybe behind the Eagles, but after the Eagles, they might have one of the best fronts, if not, you know, the second best front in the NFL. Um, you know, they have they have a consistency in Jameen Davis, but outside of that second linebacker, pretty well open. I mean, Cody Barton's there, but we saw what Cody Barton did at, at his times in Seattle when he got his opportunities relatively inconsistent. That said, they've trusted Cam Curl, someone who's coming as a seventh-round rookie and really played his way into a leader on that defense that – that's what he's going to be. He's going to be the leader of that defense. He's going to be the heart of it, and he's going to be in the middle of it. He's going to be find a way to just be around the ball consistently like he has up to this point. And I, I'm i assuming a full year of health and all of those things coming together that he is going to shine this year, and that's going to lock him into that that, that team and that defense for the next two to three years beyond that. And and I'm all about that. So he's he's set up to succeed. He has the talent to do it the alignment and, and utilization to do it. I think it's the perfect storm for Cam Curl to to have a big bang year this year and finish all the way up. I got him at three, you know, but, you know, hedge my bets, top five type safety year for him. Yeah, it makes perfect sense too, right? Not much has changed about his situation. We can basically just copy paste his stats from, from last year, but just give him a bump because, you know, hopefully he's more healthy. And their linebacker situation has objectively downgraded. They lost Cole Holcomb. They replaced it. They replaced him with Cody Barton. That is a downgrade. No, no way of looking at it otherwise. That is a downgrade. But Cameron Curl probably going to be used similarly, and he's probably going to get to the ball more efficiently than he did last year. So number three, definitely within the range of outcomes for him. And I appreciate you calling your shot here because I think that's a bold take that absolutely can pay off for you. So next season. When we see what the market thinks about Cameron Curl, we can come back and reference this episode and say, hey, Jay Colhagen, he got it right. Now, probably the coldest take of the episode here, well, maybe not even. It's a cold take because we all agree, but maybe it's a hot take that he's not higher. Considering where he uh, he, where he was ranked according to NFL GMs and, and officials of the league is Mika Fitzpatrick of the, uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, he's 26.6 years old. And all of us have him ranked at number 11. Now, he comes out to number 9 overall just because of how averages work out. Uh, but Mika Fitzpatrick, dude, I think we, you, you and I can agree that he is the most, if not, I should say, he's one of the most, if not the most talented safety in all of football. But why is he ranked 11? Is this simply an age plus utilization rank, or is there something else at play here? What do you think? For me, you, it's the former, man. You nailed it. It's just age and utilization. Um, the only other thing I'd add to that is I, I do believe that their linebacker play will get a little bit better this year, which, you know, will lessen, you know, plays leaking through to that to that final level for him um, and being able to step up there. The one thing that we might see, I'm curious, though, is, is Edmonds uh, was heavily utilized more uh, closer to the line of scrimmage when he was there, Terrell Edmonds. So with him gone, uh, I, I am curious to see maybe Minka gets a little boost there but I mean, the guy's—the guy's timeless. He's a playmaker. I, every, anytime I felt like calling him, calling him out, or saying you're know, writing him off, the guy just finds a way to just keep delivering week in and week out, year after year. So, um, it's just again the the alignment that he gets consistently doesn't necessarily allow for him to be 
as high up as we would like. So, um, but yeah, I just, it got me thinking, you know, writing that and, and reading that, that it's reminds me of like the Packers, how they went from, you know, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and then the Steelers, not, not directly, but very closely got to go from Troy Palomalu to Minka Fitzpatrick, like just the Steelers synonymous with elite all pro hall of fame level types, uh, safety play for decades. That is high praise for Minka Fitzpatrick. High praise that's probably deserved. Now, I'm a Steelers fan, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I'm right, and you're right. (laughs) Minka is that good. Now, again, I'm in agreement with you here. The tackle efficiency has been unsustainably high for him for like two seasons at this point. And I've kind of had a theory that's just they've been so bad against the run. Their uh, defensive line and linebacking group has been so bad that players have just made it to Minka because – Nobody's been able to get them down until then. So if that theory is correct, then we should see Minka with fewer playmaking opportunities. But he's still going to be a big play guy. He's still going to get interceptions. He's still going to make, you know, incredible stops. So I'm excited to see what the remainder of his career looks like. But but make no mistake, he's on a second contract. And there's just more uncertainty with players as they get older. So we're all in agreement here at number 11, number 9 overall, according to averages. I think that's a reasonable spot for him. But He's going to be a very safe, very consistent asset that's not going to just fall off a cliff because he loses his job. He is very, very talented. Now, let's go ahead and, you know, we just talked about Troy Polamalu. Now we get to talk about the guy that might be the modern day Troy Polamalu, at least according to many comps, or maybe they're a little lazy because they're just looking at his hair, but Talanoa <laughs> Hufanga of the San Francisco 49ers. Now he's 24.4 years old, and we're pretty much in agreement here. Adam has him at 10. You have him at nine. I have him at 10. I don't necessarily think he requires that much airtime. He's young. He's productive. He's on a team that's going to use him well. What more needs to be said about the new Troy Polamalu Talanoa Hufanga? The the biggest thing that for me for this uh, year and maybe the, the upcoming years is just temper expectations a bit, right? You know, I think in some of the ADP best balls, especially early on, you know, after the season, he was going pretty darn high and really someone that I was kind of fading at that aspect or at that price point. Um, but he, he's, like you said, he's consistent. His his utilization in the sweet spot was inconsistent throughout the year. So it could have been matchup based. It could have been, you know, uh, you know, health of other players, specific things like that, that maybe we don't have the full understanding of. But I mean, in the end, I, he's someone who's going to deliver one way or another, just Again, week to week, you might you're going to see the variance like you would at any other defensive back spot. But he's going to have a strong floor. Uh, the one thing that does give me a little bit of concern was the drafting of Jair Brown. Um, that's someone who profiles really well as a box safety and in the slot um, from his time at Penn State. So is it just a heavy rotation? And then really, it just comes down to who can be a more consistent playmaker. Hufanga showed us he can be that, so we should be able to trust that a bit more um, than other safeties, especially in San Francisco. But Again, it just limits the upside a bit, that's all. Not to say that this guy has any concern to not be in the conversation as a DB1. Yeah, I really don't have much to add there. You you hit the nail on the head. Now, another interesting situation now that we're going to look at our number seven DB overall, Jeremy Chin, with the Carolina Panthers, is they just brought in Von Bell. Now, he's 25.3 years old, and he has been highly productive during many of his NFL seasons so far, but Adam and I both have him at seven. You, Jake, have him at 13. You have him a little lower than us. Obviously, 13 is still a very respectable rank, but are you worried about what Von Bell might do for Jeremy Chin's 
usage here in Carolina for his next couple seasons? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when it was Chin and Woods last year, and I know Chin was injured for a good portion of that, um, but he wasn't getting necessarily all the box looks or, or a good chunk of them. That really was falling more to Woods that time. And really they were using Chin kind of as just that big nickel and um, playing very heavily out of the slot. And he can be good at that and he can, you know, be successful with that. I just, again, it's kind of that variability, right? Are you are you believing that it you're going to see this very specific type of usage for this player this year? Um, with, ba, with Von Bell, Woods, and Chin, I just, I don't know what it is. And I just, I I struggle to see Von Bell and Xavier Woods lining up as two split deep safeties for, for Evero this year, kind of like what we saw mostly for the Broncos last year at times. Um, and then Chin, and then, you know, is it Chin or Bell that's playing down? I I don't know. It, it's a lot of uncertainty for me. I think that it's a heavy rotation with a set of very skilled guys that will have their weeks each. I, I, can't, I can't bring Chin higher than that because I just don't think he can do it week in and week out. And I think perhaps one of the reasons why we're so concerned about Jeremy Chin isn't even just the uncertainty. It's just the fact that the market value on him seems to be so high as well. Jeremy Chin has his fans, and those are usually the people rostering him as well. So it would be hard to acquire him. His market value is incredibly high, and I don't necessarily think it's reflective of what we should expect to see for the remainder of his NFL career. So it'll be interesting to see how that usage pans out in 2023 and what else is going to be interesting to see pan out in 23 is what the heck happens with Buda Baker our number six DB will he continue to play for the Cardinals will he end up somewhere else he's voiced his interest to to land on another team but at least at the time of this recording he is still with the Arizona Cardinals now he's 27 and a half years old and we all have him ranked relatively similarly Adam and I have him at eight you have him at six, so you're a little bit higher than the rest of us. But Buda Baker, incredibly productive when healthy, when on the field. But how much longer can we expect him to be the guy that's on the field and used as a box safety, a very productive safety? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis do with them, right? They, they primarily played too high um, in Philadelphia a lot last year at times. And so with Thompson and Baker the initial assumption is kind of that they're going to do that. And I, I, I guess I'm okay with that still um, because for Baker, someone such a strong and sure tackler in, in my mind, I'm, I'm okay with what even playing deep and how they're going to have to play down more because even, you know, we talk about the values of like Kaiser White or, you know, the uncertainty with Zayvon Collins and, you know, who's is Owen Popo going to be the second linebacker there. They're going to, they're going to need those safeties to, to play big for them and, and come down at times, whether that's base alignment or the alignment pre-snap or that's just after the play. And I think that's what we're going to see. And I generally don't like to buy into dynasty narratives um, of, you know, poor team play, defense has seen more snaps, but gosh darn it, if there is a defense that is in just utter shambles and is not looking to be better anytime in the near future, that is the Arizona Cardinals. And so um, Baker showed up for camp. I, I really think he just wants to get my... My personal opinion is I think he just wants to get paid, um, you know, for his time there and he wants to get paid very well. And he's willing to put in his time and do that once he gets that. So he showed up to camp recently, um, or OTAs, excuse me, I should say. And I just, I, I see him there. I see him absorbing a boatload of snaps, again, assuming health. 
and he's just he's got too much talent to not be someone who's um, involved regularly as a, with a tackle floor where he showed us he can be that in the past, as well as just you know he'll find ways to make plays due to volume um, over the next couple of years. That's very reasonable. Now, according to Sportrack, Spotrack, excuse me, he has two years remaining on his deal, and if he signs a new deal, that would obviously look like a different situation, but. He is absolutely the kind of a player that you want in your locker room, establishing the culture of your young team. So I think the Cardinals would probably benefit from keeping him around. Finger guns from Jonathan Gannon over here from the wonderful Jake. But but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he probably just wants to be paid for the work that he's about to put in as a team leader, and he deserves it, honestly. Now, obviously, I've got that DK Metcalf jersey hanging up behind me from that one time he chased down. I ought to get a jersey for a DB so I can actually have one relevant for these episodes but but yeah Buda Baker absolutely talented yeah well we'll talk about Jake's shirt here in a moment but I think we ought to wait to bring it up until we actually get to that player but first <laughs> let's talk about a very very versatile talented young DB Antoine Winfield Jr. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now he's 24.9 years old and I really don't think there are many other young safeties that are at, that, are, that are as proven talent as Antoine Winfield Jr. is, he has played at deep safety, he's played at nickel cornerback, and he has absolutely dominated, absolutely succeeded at either position. And recent reports have him saying he's going back to deep safety this year. So should we expect more or less just the same from him going forward? Jake, what do you think? Yeah, and I think the it's the history of him that really excites me the most when we talk about the dynasty value of him. Uh, he's so resistant to those change and resistant in terms of becoming, you know, devalued in IDP. Yeah, like you said, whether he was playing slot corner, whether he's playing deep safety, all from from his rookie year, this guy found a way to to play into our lineups um, week in and week out. And to me, that that just has me. I'm I'm bought in because then to me, it doesn't matter where he goes. It doesn't matter where his second contract is. It, you obviously like to see him resign and, and have that consistency and the knowledge about how to use him. He's going to go and he can, he's going to land wherever it is and he's going to be successful no matter what alignment or, or utilization they put him in. I mean, that's just because he's shown us that. I mean, what better example than do we have than what he's done on the field for the last three years? Yeah, honestly, that's just the best argument for Antoine Winfield is look at the guy. Look at what he's done already. He's going to continue to do that. I really don't think we need to add any more you absolutely hit the nail on the head. So let's just jump on to the next guy here, number four on the list, Jaquan Brisker. Now, I love me some brisket, but you seem to be a little lower on him, the uh, the safety for the Chicago Bears. Adam has him at four. I have him up at three, but you have him a little bit lower, down at seven. My reasoning here is just he has great utilization. He's young. I think he's a good football player. Do I think he's an elite talent? Not necessarily, but I don't necessarily think he needs to to be productive for at least the next three years while he's on his rookie deal. I don't think the Bears are going to be looking to replace him anytime soon. So what gives? Why are you a little bit lower than the rest of us? Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm I'm reading the tea leaves a bit here, and I think the utilization shifts a bit. Um, last year, they did have Roquan to start the year um, and Nick Morrow, but you know, linebacker wasn't exactly a strong suit for them uh, once Roquan departed. And as such, I, I think some of his utilization is a bit overinflated. The one that really, I just, I can't really foresee them doing it again was 150 snaps at defensive line. Um, just in 
in, insane, crazy numbers um, to, to see put out there. So I don't know that they have as much. I don't think they have a reliance as much on him anymore to play so close and be such an attacking defender. Now that they've uh, signed Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, they have guys who can help stabilize the middle part of that defense who can play, you know, at the line or at that level if they need it. Um, now, I didn't. he's still inside my top 10, right? He's at seven for me. So I still believe he's going to have strong utilization. Um, I just think we're going to see a bit of a regression from that um, back towards more what we'd see from what I would call, you know, at least an average defense in the NFL versus one that uh, clearly was devoid of talent at many, many levels last year, um, whether that's for NFL or for IDP. I do think that is a pretty cerebral take as far as projecting how the acquisitions of new talent will impact the utilization of the talent that was on the roster previously. I think that is what makes good, I mean, good IDP content just in general, Jake, is just kind of getting out there and 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 projecting down in the future and what these changes will be. And and that's interesting too, because I, I have to imagine you put yourself you put yourself in the shoes of this coach here, like, man, I have no talent on this defense. What the heck am I going to do in order to pressure the quarterback to try and stop passing plays, stop running plays? And Jaquan Brisker being one of their highest drafted players last year, like they just put him in situations to succeed. Now, I don't believe that they will not put him in situations to succeed this upseason. It's just different situations. Maybe he'll be in coverage more. Maybe he won't rush the passer as much. It'll be interesting to see. But I, I do think it's important that you call out how that personnel change might impact his usage. So very, very important stuff here. And one other safety from this class before we get into our top two that absolutely blew the roof off of the place last season, Jalen Petrie of the Houston Texans. Now, a lot could be said about his missed tackle numbers, his PFF grade, but I mean, he scored so many freaking points last year. And in spite of those missed tackles, he's still got so many. So in spite of all that, Adam has him at two, you have him at five, I have him at four. We have no doubts about the fact that he is still going to be a very productive player, even if he does regress a little bit. But on top of that, Jake, why does he deserve to be this high up the list? So for me, it's, and I, I'm right, full disclosure, I'm a Texans fan. Um, but when, when I watched him play, even when he was at Baylor, right, they, they always played him in that star type role. They moved him around the field. Um, you know, and, and I, I think a lot, what I saw from him was, the trajectory to play a lot like a Charles Woodson did at the end of his career for the Packers. And he's someone that they can, they can line him up in all the different spots around the field and be comfortable with it. And he doesn't, and then not only for him to just maintain his assignment, but to find ways then for him to find mismatches in that defense or for him to find ways to make plays within the scheme of what's going on. So, and to say, to have that level of trust and, you know, belief in a, in a rookie is really something. Now, again, the team was fairly devoid of talent overall, so was it just pure opportunity? You know, what will a new coaching staff do? There's definitely some things that could could bring that down a bit, and, and I am a little bit lower in some of those regards. But just as on the field, you look at the first what was the first ten weeks? He played an average of 42 snaps inside our sweet spot, right? And that's amazing. We're like, oh wow, this guy's gonna keep doing these things, right? He's gonna be amazing. Well, after week ten. He didn't play more than 20 uh, snaps inside the sweet spot total in any of those games the rest of the season. 
but he still found ways to continually rack up tackles, to continually make plays, punch out balls, make an interception. The guy is on that early track to being a top-level playmaker in the NFL, which obviously when he's making those plays, he's scoring us IDP points. And at that age, on a defense that needs clear leadership, I'm, I'm all in. As legendary Steelers coach Mike Tomlin said, I would rather say whoa than sick him. And I think that applies really well to Jalen Petrie here. He absolutely has the attitude of a playmaker. That's not something you can coach into a player. And sure, maybe he might need to refine his, you know, pursuit angles or, you know, fix up his tackle form a little bit, but absolutely has that dog in him. And I think that's the most elite level analysis that I can provide to the situation. So let's go ahead and move into our number two safety. Listeners, you might have forgotten about him. You might not have, but this player is the second youngest defensive back on this entire list, rookies included, yes. And it's Kyle Hamilton of the Baltimore Ravens. He is 22.3 years old. Jake has his signed helmet behind him. And we are absolutely drinking the Kool-Aid on this guy because he is him. Now, we didn't get to see enough of him last year, but make no mistake, this upcoming season, we should see plenty of him. We've talked about a ton of really exciting second-year safeties so far, second-year defensive backs in general, but you know who's drafted ahead of all of them? Yep, that's right. Kyle Hamilton. Jake, take it away. To me, it uh, you all the things you said to are perfect, right? You know, it's low utilization. They had Chuck Clark and other you know veterans in place, but to me, it's they found a reason and a way to get him on the field. It was heavily in slot alignment, which is just great for his versatility continuing on into his career. But to me, it really summed, it summed up in one play, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm struggling who it was against, but he was on the the opposite side of the field in, in the slot. The, the pass went to the left side of the field, and he ran it down from behind and just punched the ball out. And to me, I just feel like that's a microcosm of who he is, right? Like, even when he's not in the play, he's going to find a way to be a part of the play and make the play. And that's just... The, the talent level that he has on an NFL field and how they're going to want to utilize him based on his side and his speed and his intelligence that I if you don't see why Kyle Hamilton's great, well, then I don't know that I can make you ever see why Kyle Hamilton is great. Um, and that, that's the elite level analysis I have this evening on Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, well, hey, if you can't make people see why Kyle Hamilton is great, just leave it up to Kyle Hamilton to prove why he's great. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty fair to say that. I, in Dynasty ranks, too, as far as the market value goes, I don't necessarily know if Kyle Hamilton is seen as a top two safety. Maybe he's still seen as like a top 12 guy, but I have to imagine people are looking at Jalen Petrie, Jaquan Brisker, et cetera, et cetera. Some of those guys is more valuable. So if there was a buy window, it would be before the season. And you know what's really interesting about Kyle Hamilton is he has the archetype of a player that could be a dynasty safety one because of how we expect him to be used. And there's a player comp for him that fits really, really well. But the funny thing is, why look for the player comp in Kyle Hamilton when you could have the player in Derwin James at safety one, dynasty DB one, age 26.9. Adam is wearing his Derwin James shirt right now in celebration of the fact that we get to talk about the most exciting defensive back in all of football. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. 
Derwin James is the most exciting defensive back in all of football. We all have him ranked at number one. Me, Jake, Adam, we're all right. I don't care. He's a dynasty safety one. Jake, let's sing his praises one last time before we close out this episode. Well, I got to sing your praises. First, you called me just an unbelievably handsome earlier, and now you just referenced me as Adam. So I have like two of the greatest possible compliments ever delivered to me within an hour and 15 minutes. So I, I'm on cloud nine. I, I'm I'm Derwin James level talent up happy right now. So uh, this is great. I'm on something. That's for sure. <laughs> You're just you're just riding that pickleball high, man. You're about you're that that pickleball excitement. So, um, no, I mean, yeah, you you nailed it. I mean, obviously, if someone wants to come in and tell you, well, he misses games, sure, he does. But what does he do when he's on the field? He absolutely dominates. And you know what? I'll take elite number one type points per game scoring for 15 of my games of my 17 games in a, in a uh, fantasy season because he's gonna miss a couple couple plays or, or he's gonna miss a couple games. Because that's the level he plays at. It's it's almost like that, like you said, that Mike Tomlin, where he's like, I'd rather say Wold than Sikkim. I mean, Derwin James plays with a level of, of reckless abandon. Not that he's playing out of position or, you know, like out of control, but he just, he is in on everything that he can get in on. He has the ability to make those plays. He has the utilization and the alignment that is ideal. Um, he has the playmaking that, hey, they, they need a big stop here, and then they're blitzing him off the edge, and boom, strip sack, right? makes your week, wins the game for his team, or, or flips, the, flips the script for the game he's in on the NFL field. I I mean, he's just so excited. He power-bombed Travis Kelsey, for goodness sake, in a game. Like, I mean, this is, this is the guy we're talking about. He took one of the most elite-level athletes um, and, yeah, you know, a guy 6'4", 260, and is like, I'm just going to pick him up like he's nothing and then hold him up in the air here. Um, so, I mean, yeah. He makes plays in pass coverage. He makes plays in the run game. He makes plays in uh, in pass rush. He he is the guy. He is him. Yeah, the player, Derwin James. Travis Kelsey said it himself. Derwin James is one of the fiercest competitors on the football field. That's high praise is coming from one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. We really don't need to add more about it. Derwin James is hit. I don't necessarily think anybody's going to disagree with that. If you are an injury hater, fine. Don't have him on your team, but you're missing out. That's all I got to say. Jake, before we close out this episode, I, I want to pose a question to the listeners here because you and I are going to be doing the weekly preview episodes coming up in season. I think we need a couple's nickname for us. So I'm going to pose this question to the listeners. I'm going to pose it to Twitter. You can shoot me a message at IDP Evan, or you can shoot Jake a message at Jake underscore Colhagen. Or is it just Jake Colhagen at this point? I don't remember. On Twitter, at Jake Colhagen, just all together. Perfect. At Jay Colhagen. Shoot us an at. Let us know what you think our nickname should be when we do some more of these duo shows because they just get better and better every single time. But but listeners, if you want to access Adam's ranks, if you want to access our team breakdowns, if you want to access the redraft ADP, if you want to access the in-season ranks, you guys know where to find it. It's the idpshow.com, the draft kit. You can get it for $5 a month. Try it. Get it for 5 bucks. If you don't like it, don't renew it, but I promise you, you're going to love it because it is the greatest resource out there. Jake, before we close out this episode, do you have any other final thoughts for the listeners here? I mean, I'll, I'll just add on to the draft kit, man. There's there's fades, sleepers, and breakouts. You know, some of these things, some of the guys we talked about on this list here today are specifically mentioned with greater detail write-ups on them. 
Um, myself and, and Jeff are doing roster evals. So you get access to that. You literally get a one-on-one -on -one session with us where we look at your team, your league, and whatever you want to talk about. You want to talk about trade targets? Well, we'll look through other teams' rosters and see what makes sense for you. And we'll do all those things. So, I mean, it, it's an incredible value. I, I can't stop touting it enough. Plus, it gives me a reason to talk football with people and do more foot things that are fun about football. So it's a win-win-win. Um, but, you know, final thoughts overall. Talked about it in the beginning. Um, you know, the defensive back is such a volatile position. You know, a lot of times you talk about don't, don't, you know, overspend for these positions because of that. You know, but there are some things where we talked about, guys, we talked about Derwin, Kyle, right? They're so elite. You know, you so maybe that is something you should go spend up for. It's it's one thing to be able to lock down that position for the next four years, week in and week out every every year. Um, so you know, there's definitely those things to to keep an eye out and keep in mind. Um, and just just keep the, that context and framing available in your own head as you as you go through all these things because every league and every situation is different. Hopefully, what we've told you tonight helps you make the best possible situation, best pop, best possible decision in each of those situations. Beautifully said. Listeners, you should be really appreciating that context there. Well, he is Jake Colhagen. I am Evan Ronda. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the IDP Show, and I will catch you on the next one. Peace out.